Hey, Ara. This is a new episode. New episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. It sure is, Alon. So, um, that's us, Alon and Ara. This is true. We have a website, chatterboxgameshow.com, but now we have a Facebook page. How many years has Facebook been around, Ara? Oh, gosh. Um, a million? Uh, I think almost nine years now. That's a lot. <laughs> almost nine years. And uh, we're on it, finally. I thought... It was weird. Just, I think, two days ago, I was thinking about setting one up. I was like, oh, I should probably do that since I'm never actually getting this website updated because my host seems to be... Yeah. Well, that's always the answer, you know, if you can't finish an old project, is just start a new one. Yeah. My, I think my host is on some sort of permanent vacation, so that website's never getting updated, apparently. Um, but we have a Facebook page. If people want to talk to us, if we want to put up pictures, you know, of ourselves or of your rig or something, that can all go... That can all go on Facebook. You know what would be cool that. if, um, yeah, maybe maybe listeners can, if you want to, like, send us an email, right? Just send it to the Facebook thing, and then we'll, like, reply on Facebook. And then, like, other people can chime in, and it'll be, like, an actual conversation. Yeah. And, you know, people can talk about, you know, how... Um, There's so many ways you could do it. Yeah. Now, uh, to find this page, presumably you could do a Facebook search... Uh, but we're also at just facebook.com slash chatterbox video game radio. So it's really long, but it's Facebook and you like that stuff so that you never have to remember the name again. So that's right. Anyway, just like the hell out of that. It'll be really easy to go back and find it. But it's not it's not chatterbox game show like our URL. It's chatterbox video game radio. I don't know why I made that decision. I bet you it was because you were like, we need to really tell people that it's about video games. I. Uh, I suppose. It, like I said, it doesn't matter. It's on Facebook. But we're finally there. So, you know, I could be cheesy corporate guy and be like, join in the discussion after the show. Go to Chatterbox Video Game Radio yes. on Facebook. Maybe this will be a uh, sufficient uh, replacement for our old chat room. Could be. The and, asynchronicity will make and, it valuable yeah. for us. Yeah, but asynchronous, of course. Yeah. Um, and you'll be able I'm, – I'm actually excited because you're going to probably put pictures of this thing, the thing that I'm pointing to. Okay, fine. You uh, convinced me. I, I'm guessing. You, it's weird. So, like, he, he sent me. He's like, "Hey, if, you, if anybody wants to know, you can send him over here to this uh, this forum thread. Like, it's really in depth. Like yeah. all the little parts or angles or or details about whatever. Like, you you did a similar thing for when you originally built the. Yeah, and I'm always surprised because ninety percent of the answers or replies, they're just like, "Holy fucking shit!" I mean, that's cool, but like. You know, you can yeah. say other things, too. For those who have not heard the show before or don't listen frequently enough to know what we're talking about, I don't know how that's even possible. Uh, so Ara has this this driving rig that's pretty involved, and I think we're going to get into it in more depth later in today's show. Later on, we'll get into it, because I haven't actually yeah. talked about the experience of playing with three gigantic screens that wrap around your peripheral vision. But that's for later. Yeah, but we've certainly mentioned that because it was just finished recently. I think we talked about it on on last week's show, at least that it, it existed. Yeah, um, there's a reason why I call it my special sickness. Yeah, it's it's pretty extreme. Like my house has video game stuff in it, but this guy, this is crazy. Um, my, my friend who works, um, this is like I don't know why I'm saying this. This totally is not name dropping for Gamma Sutra. He's like, you are a king nerd. Yeah, <laughs> after after viewing those pictures. Yeah, no, that's true. And I was like, this is not the first time I've been accused of that title. Well, you know, we all earn it at one point in our lives. Um, 
at least the people I hang with. <laughs> that's that's true of all of us. Uh, anyway, there, there, we've, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about today. Um, I noticed this week uh, a review for this very show. We usually spend the first segment not talking about games, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep in that in that vein and talk about very meta stuff about people talking about this show on this show. Does that work for you? That's rather avant-garde of you. Can we spend a few minutes doing that? I'm impressed. Yeah, so I assume a lot of people listen to this show using iTunes, and uh, iTunes allows you to review um, whatever you want. Yeah, so here's the funny thing while while you're doing that. Um, So you told me about this, right? You're like, hey, there's a great – somebody posted a really nice review of our show on iTunes, right? And since I don't use Apple products very much, right, I go to their website – and apparently that's the iTunes preview. And for some reason, there's only like three reviews. It's like it's like a tenth of all the reviews. It is hard to get to all of them. So that's that's weird, right? But they're like all bad too. So if you do that, which I'm sure nobody but me does, um, you won't see all the reviews. And you won't get a uh, well-rounded impression of what people think about our show. You definitely do have to go to the store to see it. And by the way, I, we have a new logo. And we've had a new logo for months. And iTunes has never picked it up, so I'm bummed about that because it's it's a little bit fancier, a little bit more new age, and it's anyway, it's annoying to me. It's probably not different enough. They're like, oh, that looks pretty much the same. I did everything I needed to do, like I updated the the feed, I updated everything, and it just keeps seeing this old ass image. If you download it though and play it on a device with video, you would see, I hope, the new logo because it's embedded in HMP3. All right, so you want to talk about this this recent good review? Well, I, I extracted a few choice quotes that I thought were funny um, because they're basically about how much of a dick I am. Okay, so, but not not from this recent one. But not from that one. So do we want to start with a high note or a low note? Let, let's just uh, go chronologically, I guess. Okay, well, that's pretty impossible. So, okay, a chronologically ascending or descending? Ascending through time. Start with the old first. Okay, so, well, all of this stuff is older than that one, so we'll start on a low note. That's my point. Um, And, okay, so I'll just say what they are. So this one guy, and these are are extracted. These aren't entire reviews, so I just took the best uh, slash worst stuff. So one guy goes, Ara himself is a jerk and a douche that thinks he's hot stuff because he made a lousy game. For for the record, I don't think I'm hot stuff because I made a lousy game. I think I'm hot stuff because I just have a very good self-image and I'm really passionate about these kinds of subjects and I'm really interested about talking about them in depth. And you had probably good input to lousy games. Maybe. <laughs> and good input to Maybe. I don't like I well. don't want to completely deny that there's a chance that I'm a jerk and a douche. Uh, anyway, um the next one goes, Ara is so unbelievably arrogant and absolutely loves to hear himself talk. Do you think they mixed us up there? <laughs> Touche. Because <laughs> a lot of people say that about me. Now, I will admit that I think you're a little more arrogant than I am. Um, <laughs> Putting it kindly. But I do love to hear myself talk. Um but I don't think that's a bad thing. Anyway, I appreciate his insight into game design, but he acts like he made Doom or Tetris or Mario when in reality he is a complete novice and newbie in the industry. So, I mean, I'm not even going to try to defend these. Like, I'm just going to let them, like, oh, just read them. Are. Just read them through. Yeah, that's it. That's it? All that's right. It. 
So I, I'm going to say thank you because this this most recent one, which I mean was from over a month ago, uh, was very, very generous in, in what I had to say. And I really just want to read it. So thank you to BoPro802. We don't know this person. No. This whoever, is not a plant. This well, is not a show. It's possible we know this person and they simply never told us they made a review. <laughs> Maybe it's a friend of ours, but I doubt it from reading it. It seems legitimate. Um, <clears throat> of course, five stars, because what else would you rate it? By the way, we have a great disparity. Like We have a whole bunch of one stars, but a whole lot more five stars, but not much in the middle, which is probably par for the course for video game content. Maybe. I, I think that if you do something and you get really polarized responses... You're probably doing it right. I feel like you're probably doing something right. I feel like that's actually a good thing. Okay. Because so, you can't get everybody to love you. And you don't want everybody to be like apathetic and ambivalent about you. I think that's even worse. Yeah, it's important to have strong strong reactions. There you go. So this is uh this is kinda long. I don't know if I'm gonna read it all, but uh no, read it all. Just go okay. fast. First off, I'd like to say if you're a child with no attention span or someone who generally cannot accept the views and opinions based on factual experiences the hosts may have had, then go ahead, listen to five minutes of a show, and proceed to give your awful, poorly rated review, which I assume is a reference to previous reviews. Yeah, so I, I, love, how, I love it when reviews review other reviews. Yeah. <laughs> how much more meta can we get? Uh, it's a bit disheartening to know some people will miss out on such a show because of some of these off-color reviews. Anyway, the show is excellent. I began listening on the website on their website, uh, to recent shows. After going through all the episodes while I was at work in only a couple of days, I felt highly compelled to listen to each and every episode. For this show exclusively, I purchased an iPod Touch just to get the back shows. By the way, you don't need to do that. Uh, our show is not, you know, we're um, device agnostic. So you don't need iTunes. Apparently, we were the killer app for this one person, which... Um I kind of find hard to believe, actually. But that's about as pleasant a review as you can get, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> he continues. And now every Tuesday morning, I have something to look forward to. Thank you, Alan and Ara, for a pleasant retreat from work into the world of games you guys bring me to. I must say the mixture of personal endeavors discussed within some episodes completely unrelated to games blends so well. Truly a pleasure. I'll write in one day soon. My only regret regarding this show is never catching a live show. Thanks again, guys. You're bigger celebrities than you may think, at least in my world. Just remember, all of your base are belong to us. So I do have to discredit him for messing up that line. It's all your base are belong to us. But aside from that, very pleasant review. Yeah. So that was very nice. It's it's funny because I actually don't feel like we deserve that strong of an accolade. I think that that's like pretty extreme. And and, and it, it that leads kind of into this thing that like I felt for a while, which is in anything that you do in life where you're evaluated or critiqued, um, I've felt for a long time that people – hardly ever get exactly what they deserve i feel like you almost always get what you don't deserve and half the time or a portion of the time it's overwhelmingly positive in the way that you don't deserve or it's overwhelmingly negative in a way that you don't deserve but you hardly ever get precisely what you deserve i given my life experience i would not agree but you know you, you're feel free to have that opinion yeah. it seems awfully pessimistic well it's not because it goes both ways for example um you know, okay, so like, you know, some people don't like that I bring up Red Star continuously, but I'll bring it up again. That game, the reviews when that game came out, there were some that were so good. I was like, I knew, like, I was like, these are so good. Like, I know this game's pretty good. Like, we poured our hearts and souls into it, right? And it's meaningful and it's good, but it's not as good as some of the best reviews were saying. Like, it is not a ten. We'll be right back, guys, and and maybe talk a little bit more. 
Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And consequently, right, we would get really bad reviews, which are obvious that, like, okay, we knew the game wasn't that bad either, right? And so the other funny thing that's connected to all of this is that somebody once said, and this this is a statement, a saying that I really took to heart. I, I think I read it somewhere in some kind of spiritual book or something, that when somebody makes a statement about you, they're actually saying something about themselves, and I think especially for reviews and especially for um, reviews that are maybe made by non-professional people or professional people who are acting unprofessionally, uh, it's really more of a reflection on that person, whether good or bad, right, the content of the review, rather than an objective evaluation of what they're reviewing. That's kind of fascinating to me, right? Because it's like we're actually – we're not reviewing things. We're actually telling people about ourselves when we review things. Yeah, I, I feel like I'd have to know a lot more about the person to, to make a claim like that. But I can tell you that people certainly have a tendency to the extreme. They want to say that something's either really, really good or really, really bad or slow or fast or whatever. Right. And uh, which would explain the the great deviation of our reviews. They don't all seem to, to go towards the middle. Um, <clears throat> but listen, I will take the review from someone saying we are fantastic. I have no problem accepting that. So I'll take it. I'll take all of it. I'll take the good and I'll take the bad. Yeah. And I won't turn this into a sitcom singing <laughs> story. <laughs> so anyway, thanks, thanks again to BoPro. If you guys want to review it, uh, I don't think that we're going to be reading reviews on the show all the time, but we certainly want to see them. And uh, of course, don't forget, there's a million ways you can communicate with us. We talked about uh, there's the website. We have email over there. You've got a phone number, which we have not revealed in this episode. That's right. 480-4GAME-21. Leave a message. Yeah, people these days don't like phones, apparently, because they're not leaving us a lot of messages. But um, emails we do get plenty of, and you can send those. Or now we have the Facebook page at uh, Facebook slash ChatterboxGameShow.com. No, <laughs> Chatterbox Video Game Radio. See, I even did it. Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Okay, so what else we got we, we have to talk about? Um, I wanted to talk about Civilization. You want to talk about Gran Turismo 5 and your your rig? Well, let's that- do your Civ thing, because I, I kind of felt like that last one... Okay. I, I I took a lot, so okay. I'll so get back a little bit. I was trying. I was hunting for an email before the show started because I wanted to be uh, more more exact with with this discussion. But I, I don't even think it's necessary. I I get tons and tons of email about games. That's what happens. Like as soon as you go to a single E three or GDC or whatever event it is, you're on a million lists. And so news releases up the wazoo that I do not have time or. And it's not necessarily desire. a good thing to be on all these lists. Oh, no. But, I mean, sometimes there's some st- some stuff you want to read. Now, I also got an email recently, and the problem is, like, 
on my phone, I get five different email accounts. And so I don't necessarily check which email they're coming into. And I have a feeling it came to a different one. So I own Civ 5 and I own it through Steam. And I got an email talking about a patch to specifically the Mac version of Civilization 5, um, which was really just bringing it into the, the same patch level or state as the PC version had been for a long time, I suppose. And so this might not have been a news release. It might have just been an email to say, hey, a game that you have uh, is updated, which is cool, by the way, something that doesn't happen when you buy the game on the store or in the store because, you know, how many people actually register their game? Right. This is like we were talking last week about how, like, Sony and Microsoft do a bad job of telling you what DLC they're releasing. Yeah, exactly. But this, because I bought it digitally, and we all know how much I hate digital distribution, uh, this was actually kind of neat. This was a neat side effect. It was able to tell me there's this update. So anyway, I went to read it. First of all, remarkably long, which I think just points to the fact that um, Firaxis or Fireaxis or whatever their name is, uh, is very good about documenting their game. But it, it, when I say that the, the email was long, it's because it was actually the, the release notes for what this update changed. And so there's there are classic like okay bugs and whatever video glitches and things that it fixed and overall optimization to make it faster whatever that's fine but then it went into actual game changing behavior stuff and this this is kind of where I wish I had the email in front of me but it was very specific things like they changed the math on how things work like um, and not just for bug reasons they're just like oh you know you're gonna I don't know, win a battle more frequently in this very specific condition, or you're more likely or less likely to get something from a city state, which is presumably this is to balance the game better. Yeah, I guess. But there's there's a bunch of things in it. Did and any of them piss you off? Or you're like, oh, I don't want that to happen. It's terrible. I have to admit, I've played the whole. I've I've played one campaign of that game through, and just just doing that, like it was like a twenty four hour game. Right. Um, and by that I mean not that I played for just a day, but it actually measured out to be about twenty or twenty two hours or something. Um, so it was a pretty long game, but still, it was just one campaign. So I don't have a bunch of experience with it all. I never read like original release notes or details or read it up online about how it all works. So I wouldn't quite understand the changes that are being made. Okay, because you, you're reminding me, and I, it sounds like you're not going down this angle, but we'll talk about it right after, about some other huge hullabaloo that's happening about another game that's not a video game. It's, but we'll, we'll talk it about just, it. First of all, it, it makes me realize how complex the game is, and, and not just like how many different things are going on and and how much I don't know about the game. That's the first thing that made me realize. Because like I have a really good understanding of um, the other Civ that I play, right? C- Civilization Revolution. There's a lot of subtleties to certain games that like a lot of people will just never, ever appreciate. Oh, I, I, that's probably true of every game. But yeah, yeah. people always said, like, well, Civ Revolution yeah. is like a dumbed-down version. Well, not Tic-Tac-Toe. Well, okay. Uh, anyway, they've talked about how Civ on the PC is always more complex, and that's fine. So I'm playing Civ Five, and uh, I don't get all the nuance of everything, all the different ways you can interact with like the city-states versus the other civilizations and how the game works. But then I read these release notes, and it's the point I'm trying to make, and I, I don't need to steal the whole show, but the point I'm p- trying to make is they changed a lot of stuff, and a lot of stuff that they didn't have to change, but they just did. And But maybe they felt like they did have to. I suppose right? maybe but, maybe their like more in depth understanding of the game led them to feel like they. But had to I'm do this. I'm wondering 
you know, how much time did they spend building the game in the first place? Like, isn't that what a sequel's for? Like, maybe you didn't get it right and you make another game or something. Like, part of me says, hey, it's good to make the game incrementally better over time. And right. the other part of me is like, well, I invested all this time in a game that, one, like I learned the rules and I understand what it's all about. And now you're going to make all these subtle changes. And I don't want to read the, the release notes to this level of detail every single time. This is assuming I'm an expert player, right? Sure. Um, to constantly be making a change. And in their defense, I don't know how frequently they make this number of changes. Uh, this may have been a particularly large patch. Who knows? But it's just weird. And, and I, th- I think back to Street Fighter, right? They're like, all right, we're going to make this this patch update and it's going to change you know balance like you said yeah they the do game. that to mmos all the time and they'll make a change that actually makes the game better but because people are so used to it being a certain way everybody's pissed off yeah i i maybe i feel their pain now i don't know like i i don't play Civ Five a lot i played that one time and it's such an investment that i don't go back to it frequently right. well, but th- it's just strange to me that like is this because of the new age of digital distribution that they feel they can update it more because we've all we've talked about that a lot right the idea, the frequency of d- updates. Well, I think one reason is because an update is very costly. And so if you're going to do an update, if you're going to do a DLC update for a game, you want to, because it costs so much money, you want to put in Well, I'm talking about a PC game, a PC-only game, which costs nothing to update. Oh, well, maybe they just care about the game yeah. that much. I mean, did you consider that? Well, no, I'm, I'm sure they do. But then I'm like, well, then why didn't they recognize the lack of balance? In the beginning. It's because sometimes these things are so subtle that it takes a while, especially things that are played online, right? It takes a while for you to realize, like, oh, we thought that that was perfect that way, but now after, like, 20,000 more plays and observations, we noticed that was completely wrong and really bad. Yeah. I mean, I I suppose. For the record, I didn't even think about the fact that this might be affected for online play like i'm just thinking about single player play right or even that right like there's i mean game our games a lot of them especially these really deep games they're so complicated that even without an online component yeah it takes a long time and a lot of play to realize when something's jacked right for instance well i don't think none of these were huge like game changing shifts in how it works but like right right that's the wrong terminology because technically they were game changing in every <laughs> every sense of the word. Right, but, but they were more like tweaks rather than yeah, fundamental changes in how the game's played. But here, some of them seemed pretty serious to me. Yeah, well here's something that's really interesting is that just last week uh there was this huge morass about uh Scrabble. There was this one researcher who was like, "Hey, um I've developed a better algorithm for word frequency and analysis." And according to my algorithms, um, these such and such tiles uh, are should be actually worth very different values, right? Like Z, like I'm just making up numbers, but just for sake of discussion, like if Z was worth 10, it should really be worth 7 because it's actually a lot easier to play than the 10 points, right? And so he was like, here, here's a new set of uh, letter values according to um, – a more accurate algorithm of word frequency rather than what they used originally when they invented Scrabble because, of course, back then they didn't have, like, computers like we do now. And so all that they did then was they basically, like, looked at a page from, I think, some popular magazine at the time, and they used that to establish word frequency, which is pretty crude, right? Here's the funny thing is that expert Scrabble players are really upset by even the prospect. I mean, this guy's a researcher. He has... He has no direct way of actually changing Scrabble the game. <clears throat> but the funny thing is is that Scrabble, like it's been that way for so long 
that even if the, the rules as is uh, don't reflect the spirit and intent of the word, the idea of having a, you know, points associated with word frequency, they still rather, they want to play it that way because they've gotten so used to these kinds of idiosyncrasies, even though they're not, a, they're not accurate, right? And so they don't want, like, it's like Scrabble, just because it's lasted for so long, uh, its flaws have become its perfect, and that makes any sense at all. I, I see your point. I don't know why so many people are so averse to change, but I yeah. get it. Well, because they're so used to it. And it's funny because it's the same kind of shit that happens in MMOs and stuff when people nerf things and they're not used to being nerfed. They're nerfing Scrabble tile. So we're back, and uh, in that last break, you might have noticed that you did not hear a commercial for the University of Advancing Technology or their website, the UAT.edu. It's actually just UAT.edu. Um, I have a feeling I just did. Yeah, now you did. <laughs> now you did. Um, we only play one one per show. I appreciate that people don't complain a lot about that. They understand that, you know, it's necessary. Yeah. So anyway, um, another thing that's funny is that I was <laughs> just before the break – I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know why people are so averse to change. Meanwhile, that whole segment was me talking about how they shouldn't be changing the game. But it's more like, I guess it's something we've brought up before, how the availability uh, or just the, the digital distribution makes the option to adjust your game so available that it... I'm guessing it happens with more frequency than it would in other cases. Yeah. Also, I think that people tend to believe that the concept of a game as being like imperfect and fluid is much harder to stomach, especially since really up until now, for all of these couple decades, we've presented games to people as being these unchanging, unchangeable, complete things. When, I mean, if you're a video game developer, um, you can appreciate very much the idea that you never actually finish a game. You just decide to stop working at some point. There are very, very few games where you can say, and by few, I mean like maybe you can like tic-tac-toe, right? Where the space of what can happen is so small that, you know, you you get to a point and then you can say, okay, this game is, this game is finished and nothing more can be done to make it better. I wonder, has anybody ever made a variant of tic-tac-toe? Oh, I mean, I'm sure somebody has. I'm thinking about that right I now. Mean, we can, I'm designing I mean, I mean we can make up a whole bunch of ones right now, like bigger board than 3x3, three three, and now you have to make a longer thing. Or maybe there's, you know... Well, that's what I'm talking about. But X's you, and O's and triangles, and it's three-player. I'd like the option of a bigger board, like 5x5. Five five. Both of you start with three spaces, and then every person who takes a turn... Gets to put two down and take one of the other person's. You know away. what? I'm I'm going to wager that those kinds of things, like what you just proposed and I proposed, they'll probably just degenerate into things that are less interesting than tic tac toe, 
however uninteresting tic-tac-toe is. Like, there's, there's, there's a reason why that's the game that everybody plays. Although, not everybody. Tic-tac-toe is not the greatest example, right? Like, maybe checkers or, or chess or even go, right? Like, one time, um, I, I tried a few times, me and my friends, when I was obsessed with go for a while, we tried to play go with uh, three players, right? So you got three how, colors. How well did that go? It's not, it's not that good because what happens is that there are tons and tons of space on the board that don't belong to anybody. It, and that just happens all the time. And it's actually a much less interesting game. And the other thing that happens too is that you realize that once two people can communicate with each other, and even if they can't directly communicate with each other, um, they can operate as if they're playing in tandem against one person. And that makes them so much more powerful. It's like you have. It's like it's like ending up. It degenerates into a two-player game where one person has two moves and the other person has one move, and you just have no chance. You know, that's like it's like a you know a hundred horsepower car versus a five hundred horsepower car. It's like no chance. But did you try to extend that and then play four players where you had two on two? Uh, no. But see, like that, that'll degenerate too, because that'll, it'll still degenerate into like the most interesting situation, which is one-on-one, right? Because two-on-two, right? You're either going to cooperate and act as a team, which basically is the same as one-by-one, or, I don't know, something else will happen. That was really loud noise, by the way. That probably got in the show. Sorry about that. It happens to the best of us. A little, little vibration on a solid surface. Um, Okay. So it's interesting, right? And and actually, I think it's cool to think about alternatives, but yeah. So I just, I dream of a day where people get it right. And a game like Civ is so big yeah. that it's hard to complain. But that that's, that's the changes. thing, too, is that these things are so sophisticated that you can't just, it's just impossible to get it right. I mean, there's, with a sufficient level of complexity, it's not possible to understand all the implications of all the things in a rule set, you know? They just take time to be borne out. It's weird. Can't. I'm more forgiving of bugs than voluntary changes. Yeah. Which, and then the other part of me thinks, well, oh. yeah, because the bug, the bug is uh, something that's, I mean, the only reason why anything is defined as a bug is that it's an effect that you don't want, right? Well, in in the case of what I was reading, it's, I mean, yeah, it's an effect you don't want, but it's like, it was just an oversight. Like they, yeah, like they, they, they accidentally miscoded something. Right. But a bug is something that is, it's not like... It's not, like, wrong in the strict sense, right? Like, it does – the program does exactly what the programmer told it to do. The bug is that what ended up happening was not what you thought it was going to do, right? And so that's, like, an unintentional mistake, right? But the 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 tweaked rule, right, that is, you know, a little bit on a different level, not quite a bug, is something where we thought it was going to do this, right? But it had all these implications. I don't know. It's kind of... It's sort kind of like of, a bug in thought instead of a bug in code. Yeah, but as I'm talking about it out loud now, I'm kind of feeling like the line between them is maybe more blurred than I initially expected. You know, because it's something that you don't want it to do. It's just a more subtle level of bug, right? Like, if something shows up on the screen... Like, if the screen goes blank, it's like, okay, that's a bug. You know, we're telling the program to go blank, but we don't understand why we're doing this, and it's obviously bad to the game. But I guess these other ones are they're, they're the way to distinguish them is that they're far more subtle, right? Well, here's what I'm thinking: it's not that it was a bug; it's that they changed their mind. Like they thought, "Hey, this should be this way for a I certain reason," saying. and then they're like, "You know what? We were wrong. We have new information, and we think it should be this other you know way." You know what's funny about that is that it could very well be what you said. 
and it could very well be what I said. There's really no way to know without getting into the designer's head. Yeah. But I agree. Changing your mind is very bad because that implies that you don't have fundamentally a good understanding of what the game is about. Yeah. Well, it's just like, I mean, I guess I, I wouldn't be getting stirred up about it if it wasn't a game that involves so much strategy. And I thought of your other examples, and I was like, well, those examples do too. Like Scrabble, people have been playing for years and years and probably have strategy in it. Right, and their strategy is based on Z being 10 points and not 7 points or 6 points, and their strategy is going to get all fucked up if Z now is this many points, and that's why they're upset. Well, they probably just, now I can't make a word that's worth as many points anymore. But, uh, you know, with the triple word and the what. So anyway... um, yeah, Street Fighter, same thing. People get really, really into strategy of that, and they make an update, and it has all this uproar about changes. And it, I don't know. It was it's, just surprising to me to see how big that list was. It wasn't just a couple things they tweaked. Yeah. It was a huge, long list of things that they tweaked. Yeah. Here's the last word I want to say about this. Um, it's, I think, fundamentally, the reason why people react in these ways is because you get accustomed to having a certain level of agency, right? Your agency being that you know, when I use Z, it's 10 points. Or when I do this move in Street Fighter, it does this much damage. And then when that gets nerfed, however correct that change may be, the ultimate result is that your degree of agency has been now reduced. And coping with that is really upsetting to people. You know, it's like, okay, you could walk now, but now you can't walk. You have to limp from now on. You've got, you gotten so used to having a certain level of power that to take that away from you in a substantial way is just really, really defeating. I should be clear, by the way, that the changes in Civ Five weren't necessarily the sort that you're describing. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Right. But in all these other examples, that's basically what's happening. Yeah. Well, okay. Usually. I mean, in Street Fighter, you have some characters get stronger and some that get weaker. Right. But nobody's upset. Well, see, but see, look, they're upset when something else gets stronger, not because they're using it, but because it's being used against them. So it's kind of like the converse, but still the same thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm ready yeah. to move on. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um, look, why don't I just talk about Gran Turismo, get this out of the way, and then yeah. we can move on with life. But really... This isn't specific to Gran Turismo. It's more the, the concept of what's happening to you while playing. Right. So, so I mean, we're kind of joking about, you know, how much I like to talk about the game. But I, there's, there's really – there's some good stuff in here, I promise you. So what I wanted to talk about was um, the experience of actually playing with three gigantic screens and how that's different from just regular one screen, right? And for the record, I think the difference is one versus – like one plane perpendicular to you or to your sight – versus like having a surround. Right. It wouldn't so, matter if it was a curved screen or five screens or ten screens. It's just sure, having the, periphery. The real not. key to to get this effect that I'm gonna talk about is I have three very large screens, they're fifty two inches. They're actually rather close to you. Um, so that they and they're actually angled in um, rather ex, in an extreme way. So that they, they basically almost I think I have like a um, they're at like 75 degree angles from the front screen. So it's very, very close to 90. It's about 15 degrees off from being straight up yeah. square surrounding you. Right? So you've got about 160 degrees of, yeah, these, of view? The key here is that like what I wanted to do deliberately was to make sure that uh, the viewable area extended almost to the very edge of your peripheral vision. And it does. And the really cool thing is that I, I was able to observe a bunch of really, really um, – unexpected effects from playing from in this way. 
So one of them is that, so I always, I mean, you, you heard when I wanted to do this thing, right? Like you were like, oh, you should just get three smaller screens and it'll be cheaper, right? And I'm like, no, I really don't want to go down, right? And um, the funny thing is, is that now once I have three screens, even though they're all the same size, the center screen actually feels smaller than it did before. That kind of makes sense to me. It feels smaller and it's actually now more challenging for me to focus on something small uh, that's happening in front of me because there's so much going on around me. Like I really, really was not prepared for having these two screens on the side, which I thought was just going to add like this just little extra like feeling of what's around me. But it really, truly does feel like I have to now process three times as much information. Which I, I got to say, from my point of view, and that is someone who doesn't, who's not an expert in the game, not right. very experienced, right. doesn't make a big difference to me, right? And it's so it's like the player player when they make a tiny tweak, like it makes a world of difference to him. Oh my god, so much has changed. Like when I'm playing this character, I totally, you know, can't do as well or have to change up strategy or whatever. Right. For me. I really don't care about this game in the way that you do. It's, it's a different taste. Yeah, you have to I – mean, I mean, and that makes total sense too. The, the other thing that's crazy is that now, that now that there's so much going on in my periphery, it's actually a very, very different feeling process of playing the game because now I have to look – I have to be looking somewhere and paying attention sometimes at things that I'm not looking at. And we'll, we'll get into more after Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back once again. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Still sponsored by UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Yeah, so like I was saying... <clears throat> You, it's like I was using a cert. It felt like I was using like certain muscles when I was playing with just one screen. But now that there's like three screens, it's like I have to use muscles that I've never used in a video game before, and that's actually an extremely cool feeling. And it, in fact, it did take me, I would say, about half an hour to like reacclimate myself to that. You say have to. I mean, isn't it just you get the benefit of? 
You get the, no because you see here's the thing. Here's the fascinating thing, right? Um, and this is like one of the most. I like to talk about this a lot because it's one of the most easily overlooked aspects of playing and designing games, right? Which is which is that of this idea of cognitive load, which that idea means that you as a person you have a limited tank or meter of how much you can pay attention to at once and so what's happened what i'm theorizing has happened is with one screen um i was actually my um the amount of information that i had to process the cognitive load did not did not actually approach my limits of what i could handle but now with three screens there's actually more information than i'm capable of taking in at one point which means that you have to make decisions about what to pay attention to and what to not pay attention to at every given moment now, which it's just, it's, it's, it's so different a, a way of playing. It's, it's hard for me to actually encapsulate into words. So I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. So, I mean, it's, I would guess it's when something is actually happening on those screens, other than just you being, you know, a wall going by. So when, well, well, yeah, when a so, car comes up on your side, you have yeah. to decide, is he going to bump you or are you going to have to take some sort of defensive action or are you going to have to lean in one direction or the other to get away from him or closer to him? Yeah, exactly. Or to be a little more extreme, like a few times, one of the most exquisite moments in this game now is when there's basically you're kind of boxed in in all four corners and you kind of have to like manage like, I mean, this happens in actual racing. It's called situational awareness. Like you have to not only be planning what you're going to do next and looking out in front, but you have to be aware of what's to your left and what's to your right and what's behind you. And when there's actually something in all those places, it's like, it kind of feels like overwhelming, but in a like beautiful way, because you have to, you're constantly like, Oh, try to pay attention to the four things at once. It's a really cool feeling actually. So it's enhanced the game. It is. It's enhanced the game a lot. It's the other crazy thing is that the the view that I use, which is like the regular first person view, is um, if now with this way of looking at the game, it makes it so much more obvious that I'm really just piloting a disembodied camera flying down a track. Yeah, because you can pull out a little bit so that you see like the hands on the steering wheel and the window frames well, and all that. No, stuff. No, no, no. The the view that I use. Which is the best playing view? The just car is just the camera. The car is actually not drawn, and you don't really gain an appreciation for that with just one screen. But now that I can see on my sides, it's really like I can't see my car. I can't. I don't know exactly where the edges of my car is. Well, that's what I'm saying. There is the view though, where you see like the rear view mirror. So there's and that the one. Side yes. view mirror. So the and... inside cockpit view finally now is actually usable. I, I feel like um, without three screens, you just you're looking so far, so so narrowly down a tunnel that it's almost unplayable. But now it's like yeah, because now like you, with the cockpit view, you can actually use your side view mirrors. It's incredible, right? There's a side view mirror and a rear. There's two usually, and a rear view mirror in the car, and you can actually use these and look left and right. And the other thing too is yeah, I mean the whole like thing about like now like you have to like turn your head to like look at stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I was really on the fence about doing this because like putting a setup like this together is very expensive, takes a lot of time. It takes up an entire room in your house. Yep. That so it does. On. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of bored lately. I don't really sure if this is going to be worth it, but what the hell? Right. 
And after the fact, I'm actually really glad that I did this because it's it's just a whole other world. It's yeah, totally and, and you managed to do it rel- relatively cheaply, considering. I'm I'm yeah I'm really happy with how much of a budget I was able to do it on and still get all of the important parts. Yeah. So, all right. So, I'm not trying to d- dwell on the no. idea that it's a Gran Turismo issue, or like it's just like you were saying this this cognitive load bit. Like there's just a lot more to see, and and I'm I'm trying to imagine a different style of game being played on this sort of setup. And of course, very few games support. This yeah. kind of thing. Well, it's like, funny Forza, my, basically. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my friend was like, why don't they play first-person shooters like this? And I was like, they totally could. I'm, I don't think – I'm not aware of any um, that do this. You, you ever played Marathon? I never did. Like, you, I know, you know it's the I'm, first Bungie game. But. Yeah. And it was a first-person shooter that came out on Mac, like, sometime – Long sometime after time Doom got popular, right? Yeah. Maybe like, it was years. that 3D mixed with 2D sprite. Like the, it was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't full 3D, right? Because it was kind of low tech. But one of the really cool things they did in that game was that there was a uh, power up you could get that gave you 360 degree vision. And what that meant was that it expanded the field of view of the camera to its absolute maximum. So that when you looked at the screen, what was on the left and right sides was actually directly behind you. That's pretty cool. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. And I don't know why people don't play uh, first person shooters like this because I feel like um, that could also be a really worthy experience. But it'd be crazy. It'd be hard to understand where things are because yeah. I mean, it distorts everything, well, right? Well, yeah, you'd have, to, you'd have to acclimate to it, right? But the thing is, well, here's the funny thing, right? It's like I've gotten so acclimated to now these three screens that, you know, a couple of times when I've played with one screen, like this feels normal now. And the one screen in the middle, like, I really feel like I'm just, like, driving down a tube and I can't see shit. And it's funny because without having this experience for comparison, I would have never felt like the last one was inadequate. But now it's, like, completely inadequate. Okay. So you get – humans are – That's bad for you now. Well, it's bad. Hopefully you have competitions. But the thing – I mean, it's, you know, it's it's like getting used to getting a million dollars every week. Do you think you would have done – better on those trial runs where they had the contest thing for it uh it's hard to say right because those things like there's those are time trials where there's no other cars on track okay so i feel like i do better in all aspects i can perform better i mean anybody can i feel like with this kind of setup but at the same time the benefits are most stark when you're actually driving wheel to wheel with people because now before all you had to do was like all you could resort to is like, okay, I kind of know someone's on my right, and so uh, I'm not going to go into the right inside half of the road because I don't want to fuck his shit up, but I don't know exactly where he is. Well, now you have like much clearer sense of exactly where they are, so you can actually like weave around them in a way that you can still carry speed through the turn, and that's just like – it's so exhilarating. It's totally cool. All right. Well. But enough about this. I, I mean, I guess. Yeah, no, we're almost at the end of the show. Actually. Yeah, I want to. There's there's a couple of things we want to make. I want to make sure we talk about. Let's talk about the sexism thing again. The EA thing. Yeah. So this is a new angle on an old old topic. EA is finding its way in the news in so many places. Yeah. For instance, our friend Joe is playing an EA NHL hockey game. How shocking! And every minute of the day, it's updating Facebook and pissing me off. 
And so I mentioned, I actually put on his most recent NHL post. I was like, hey, turn this crap off. Disconnect it from Facebook because this is getting annoying. Yeah. Well, you know you can always disconnect him from your Facebook. And... Yeah. I wanted to give him the chance to fair, still affect my fair. life. Like, this is stupid. He's like, yeah, well, you used to have stats and stuff, and now there's nothing. I was like, exactly. <laughs> and then I, then I thought I to love... myself, no, even if it had stats, I yeah, still wouldn't want to I love see how, it. like, he's assuming that if it had stats, it would be really valuable to you. Yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. So, so why, why else is EA pissing people off? Okay. So um, it's not pissing me off, but there is a contingent that they're really pissing off again. And it's because this executive vice president, who also is the uh, chief talent officer of Electronic Arts, and her name is Gabrielle Toledano. Uh, so she had a interview in Gamma Sutra very recently, and the piece was titled EA Blaming Sexism or lack of women in our industry is a cop-out. And uh, my choice quote from there is that basically she said, if we want more women to work in games, we have to recognize that the problem isn't sexism. And she goes on to describe that basically, look, she's not denying that sexism exists. Sexism exists just like racism exists, just like being a douchebag exists and all these other things. But it doesn't exist in the game industry, at least this is her position, any more than it does in other industries. And at face value, I actually think that that is kind of a rather objective and well-reasoned opinion. Because, I don't know, I, I really kind of wish we had like a very strongly yet rational dissenting viewpoint we could argue with because we're kind of on the same page about this stuff right but we're also making assumptions i mean well i am at least uh i haven't been in the games industry like in the actual development side of things yeah so i don't know maybe there is more sexism in that industry than there is in others it's it's one of those things that i mean the funny thing is is right like it's so soft and so anecdotal that it's it's very difficult for somebody to point to some hard evidence and everybody can clearly say, okay, yeah, it's like this, right? And that's one of the reasons why it's so controversial, right? Um, I, mean, I mean, we could, I don't know, this this topic could explode. I'm actually, like, I'd, I'd really like somebody um, who has a strong opinion about this topic to write us or contact us in the myriad ways you can because I want to have a discussion about this. And, Alon, you're not that great to debate against it because I don't think you'll present a dissenting opinion. Uh, but I'm I'm really I'm really in many ways of the mind that, you know, yeah, you know what? Like unfair and fucked up shit happens all the time and it happens in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways that it could possibly manifest is, um, you know, verbal abuse or sexism and so on. But that is not the only way that it can manifest. There are myriad ways that it can. And that is not even necessarily like the most worthy way of our uh, of our attention. Right. And I'm sure that a lot of people, you know, in the opposing camp, so to speak, um, you know, they will – they won't entertain a lot of counter arguments because they can enumerate what they are. You know what I mean? Like somebody can say – well, go ahead. Well, I was, was going to ask, what's her angle? So what's her – like does she have a proposed solution? Well, I, I think her proposed solution is that, look, like let's, let's try – I think it's – my impression was that there was a – Right. There's a perception. Right. And the perception is becoming a reality just because there's a, such a strong perception. Right. And so it's kind of like this issue that was happening recently also where like I'll try to be brief about this. Right. Like 
a lot of publishers think that um, piracy is rampant and they don't want to actually pay for uh, niche artsy games because they feel like piracy is more most rampant on those, right? And they don't want to publish those games because piracy is so rampant. But it isn't necessarily. They don't know whether it is or not. But the fact that they believe that it is creates that result, right? So it is a it is a definite material result coming sheerly out of perception and not from any really concrete, evidentially seen place. Right? Okay. So she says, stop whining that the industry is especially sexist and instead do nothing? Instead, actually, well, I mean, you know, I'm not sure what she's proposing, right? But she, she was definitely very clear about how, you know, women are wanted in games and they're trying to recruit more women into games. And, I mean, I'm, of, I'm more of the opinion that, hey, look, like, you just find the best person for the job one way or the other and forget about everything else. And if there's, if there's a desire to promote games culturally as a value within women, then that's fine, too. But you start with that at a much, much earlier age, right? Because, and the other thing, too, is that, like, I mean, I think you have to be honest with yourself and possibly recognize that, like, you know, disinterest culturally by a group of people in a certain subject doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that whole thing is inaccessible to them and that they're... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, the, the discussion about why aren't there more girls in math and science and all that. It's it's that thing, right? Which yeah. which comes first? Are they not interested or are we playing into that and making them not interested? I am. I get it. Yeah. All right. It's that one. So write us about it. Give, give us some strong opinions and then um, we'll have an explosive show sometime. I can tell you one thing. There's not a lot of girls in gaming schools, which... This is true. It's probably somewhat... Related. Well, that, that leads into not a lot of girls in gaming professionalism. Exactly. We'll be back next week, folks. Facebook.com slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.